This is David O. And you're on the D side. When you think of David Bowie, what do you think of? He's an icon, a legend. You think of his music, his style. He's an inspiration. So much so that some even say his death was an artistic achievement. But when you think of Bowie in the 80s, what do you think of? Let's Dance, Serious Moonlight, Sell Out, Lower Quality, Dancing in the Streets. The 80s are seen by many as Bowie's artistic low point. But Bowie was sort of mythical even before his death. It's hard to look at his career objectively because so many things that were commercial disappointments are lionized now. Commercial successes are vilified. I looked at opinions of the time, when they were happening, not through rose or any other colored glasses. A large number of the D-Side listeners are probably at least casual Bowie fans, but we're also of the age where the main Bowie we know is 80s Bowie, the decade of supposed creative decline. It's always been cool for music critics to hate on the 80s, the focus on the wrong things, the fashion, the spectacle, the hair. So let's talk about that Bowie from the 80s. The most popular he had ever been and would ever be in terms of sales and tours, yet so easily dismissed as at best creatively slight and at worst his absolute rock bottom. So let's rewind a little bit first and look at David Bowie in the run-up to the 80s. However critically adored Bowie's late 70s output was, um, the infamous, if not slightly misnamed, Berlin trio of albums, Low, Hero, and Lodgers, was Bowie wasn't having the hits he wanted. There was already a little bit of questioning the quality. Lodger is a fine album. Um, it's not really of the magnitude of the previous two, though. Even Brian Eno expressed more than once that he thought their creative energy was running out by then. Bowie himself has stated how some of the songs were borrowing from each other on that album to the point where he felt like he was ripping himself off. And the end of the 70s, um, moving into the 80s, saw Bowie become almost, quote, normal too, certainly less dangerous than he used to be. He was becoming a nice man now, a normal guy. But his first release of the 80s was a, was a success. Ashes to Ashes was the first single from the Scary Monsters album and it almost looked like a passing of the torch in some ways. Major Tom was a junkie now, and the new romantic and blitz kids were front and center in the video. Bowie has been around long enough that bands and artists he inspired were starting to come of age and make their own waves in the music industry. Between the time of Scary Monsters in 1980 and the release of Let's Dance in April of 83, all of his disciples had sort of taken over. Duran Duran, Eurythmics, Culture Club, New Order, Depeche Mode had taken everything Bowie had introduced them to in the 70s and turned it up. They made exciting music. The videos were many movies. The kids, us back then, we had our heroes in them. Bowie was a major catalyst for most of my favorite music back then, but the thing was, I didn't need Bowie. I had Duran Duran, I had Depeche Mode. Bowie was their hero. Bowie was sort of felt last year, last decade at the time. Bowie was, I dare say it, he seemed old <laughs> to a lot of us at the time. And even before his death, he had reached a you know godlike genius status. But back then, in, in 1982, when he was starting to work on Let's Dance, 
Bowie just wanted hits. That's all he wanted at the time. He changed his, his entire studio band, he dropped his longtime producer, and he tasked Niall Rogers with producing a hit album. Bowie was just a singer and co-writer on this album. He played no instruments for the first time in his entire career. Let's Dance succeeded in all ways when it was released in 1983. Niall delivered, and then some. Let's Dance, China Girl, and Modern Love remained definitive Bowie. The Serious Moonlight tour was massive. But Let's Dance only had eight songs, two of which are covers, and one that had been out a year prior in another version. So really, five songs were new. Despite it achieving what he wanted, he, he rather quickly started distancing himself from Nile Rodgers. He felt the press were perceiving it as a Nile Rodgers album that Bowie sang on, which honestly isn't terribly far off. Um, Let's Dance was recorded in 17 days. 17 days, that's crazy. And after the release of Let's Dance, Bowie was talking about, for instance, the title track being totally different after Niall arranged it. How the song Ricochet had a, quote, ungainly gait. How the beat wasn't quite right and wasn't what he had, mind, had in mind. So he got what he wanted. Relegated himself to a singer, songwriter. Bowie, in this part of the 80s, was blonde, suited, and smiling. Looking more Wall Street than any relative of Stardust. The look and a lot of the sounds seem to look back almost to the 40s and 50s America. Um, and, you know, Twist and Shout was referenced sort of in Let's Dance. And to kids at that time, although we were all probably, we all bought the albums and certainly danced in our red shoes, Bowie just wasn't as vital, as shocking, as exciting as, you know, The Cure or Talking Heads or U2 at that time. So Bowie got exactly what he wanted. He had by far the biggest hit of his career. He was safe. He was seemingly happy. The next thing that was planned to happen in the Bowie world was the release of the Serious Moonlight Tour. It was released on video, but it was going to be his next album. They got as far as the mixing stage, uh, and it really it only became available officially with the release of the Loving the Alien box set in late 2018. It is worth a listen worth a listen to hear how on top of his game Bowie and his band were. It's also interesting to hear how the 70s hits were skillfully turned into 80s songs to, to feature right next to the Let's Dance tracks. It seems especially telling to hear Heroes second in the set list. It's stripped of all of its pomp and majesty sort of to be an early in the show just jumper of a track full of horns and fun. Uh, the version of Ashes to Ashes stands out with his voice seemingly taking on different characters. And the juxtaposition of Space Oddity right after Ashes to Ashes is incredibly striking too. But instead of doing this, what happens? Bowie goes straight back into the studio again. After the biggest selling album of his career and nine months of touring, within just a little over nine months after the end of that tour, an, a new album comes out. Tonight was released in late September of 84, and who boy, let's talk about Tonight. <laughs> tonight started with one producer, who was replaced by another. Uh, he kept a lot of the band and the sound from the series Moonlight Tour. It was said that Bowie figured he had new fans, and he thought they would want a familiar sound. So Tonight has nine tracks, three covers of Iggy Pop songs one of which was co-written by Iggy and someone else from his 1979 album, New Values. 
two of the other Iggy Pop songs from 77 written by Bowie and Iggy. Two new songs that Bowie and Iggy Pop wrote. Two new tracks written by Bowie alone. And then the other two covers are <laughs> highly questionable. Uh, one is the only Bowie song I will pretty much always skip, and that is his cover of God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. God Only Knows. So things start out well enough in this new Tonight era with the release of the single Blue Jean, uh, that being one of the two tracks that Bowie wrote totally by himself. But it is still sticking with that sort of slightly 50s rock pastiche like in the previous singles Modern Love and Let's Dance. So the album comes out, you put the needle on the record, and it starts in a rather spectacular fashion with Loving the Alien as the opening track and the only other soul Bowie composition. After that, <laughs> watch your step. Uh, the reggae vibe of the remake of Don't Look Down hints to where the album might have been headed at one point. Bowie had famously done what he called Plastic Soul on the Young American albums. There was sort of talk of a plastic reggae vibe maybe happening for this. The title track tonight sort of carries on in that plastic reggae vibe. Um, and I kind of like it, even though <laughs> Bowie took a song about literally watching your partner turn blue and die in front of you and turned it into a sweet duet with Tina Turner. Honestly, the rest of the album, Neighborhood Threat, Tumble and Twirl, Dancing with the Big Boys, is forgettable at best. The thing about tonight is uh, the people that worked on the album talk about all of the songs they were working on and how great the vibe was, then rather openly spoke of their disappointment in it afterward. So what happened to all of those, if not good, at least better songs written during the Tonight Sessions? More on that in a minute. First, let's hit a few more of the singles highlights that happened after Tonight. Bowie, it seems, was turning into a singles artist. A few great tracks on an album, the rest approaching filler territory. In the midst of the Tonight singles and in the time between the next album and early 87, Bowie released five singles from soundtracks. Some really stellar songs. This is not America, Absolute Beginners, even Underground, When the Wind Blows. Um, they came from <laughs> some decent films and also from flops. Flops so big they bankrupted a studio. Uh, looking at you, Absolute Beginners. I actually love that movie. So Then there's Labyrinth. No matter the reputation it has gained since it came out, it was honestly seemed seen as painfully uncool to be in a puppet movie, I feel like. While Depeche Mode was putting out black celebrations, the Smiths had The Queen is Dead and New Order released Brotherhood. Bowie was singing magic dance with puppets. Uh, but this again was Bowie in the 80s. Safe, clean, fun. Not what a young record-buying public really wanted though. And not what his longtime fans wanted either, apparently. So about those tracks that didn't make it onto the Tonight album. There is an album from the 80s that is fully a Bowie album in all but name, and that is Iggy Pop's 1986 album Blah Blah Blah. This album has a few tracks that are so Bowie you don't even have to squint to hear him singing these songs. You simply cannot look at Bowie in the 80s without including Blah Blah Blah. Bowie was in that album as much as Iggy Pop was a part of Tonight. They should be sold as a box set, really. Blah 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 is easily... Iggy Pop's most pop album, but I'm, I, I like it 
if you listen to the songs Isolation or Shades, it's it's I can see Bowie singing these. And honestly, to me, the songs on Blah Blah Blah, they're a triumph compared to listening to Tonight. <laughs> so, less than six months after the, the release of that not really Bowie, but pretty much Bowie album, Blah Blah Blah, we get David Bowie's final album of the 80s, The Much Maligned Never Let Me Down. Oh, but wait, one other kind of important event happened between Tonight and Never Let Me Down. The absolute an eternal sea change that Live Aid bestowed upon pop music. Literally everything changed after that for the 80s. Even hit songs could have messages. Music could change the world, if only for one day. The first single from Never Let Me Down, Day In Day Out, was a song about homelessness in the US. The second single addressed pollution and the destruction of the planet. No love here, modern or otherwise. This was post-Live Aid Bowie. This was Bowie really trying again after letting others take the reins more than ever, ever before with his last two albums. Bowie was playing instruments in his album for the first time since 1980. There was only one cover song this time. Yes, it was still an Iggy Pop song, but still. Only one other track even had a co-writing credit. The album was all written by Bowie. The album sold well, but the reviews were mixed at best. Uh, but it's simply not the total disaster its reputation suggests. Spin Magazine called it an inspired and brilliantly crafted work. Rolling Stone called it noisy and sloppy, but also said noisy and sloppy isn't necessarily a bad thing. Billboard said it was arguably the year's most underrated release and listed it as a critic's choice for the album of the year. Almost immediately after the album came out, Bowie expressed interest in going straight in and making another album with all of the songs they had written. He even discussed re-recording some of the songs on Never Let Me Down, clearly showing he may have regretted some of the production choices, but knowing the material had merit and worth. He said Never Let Me Down had good songs that I mistreated. He also discussed re-recording some of the tracks again in 1996 before starting his Earthling album. So he, he would revisit this idea of redoing this album. In 2008, Bowie finally went back to the album to pull a favorite and re-record it. On the compilation, his self-curated compilation, I Select, uh, was called, that was released in 2008, only three singles were chosen. Life on Mars, Loving the Alien, and the remade Time Will Crawl. That to me is quite telling. Bowie selected nothing newer than 1987 for his own compilation. Nothing from Let's Dance. An album track from Scary Monsters, the immaculate third single from Tonight, Loving the Alien, and a completely remixed Time Will Crawl from Never Let Me Down. It almost seems like looking back, he realized those albums weren't so bad. And before the title track, for Never Let Me Down was written, there was a different running order to the album. I prefer this running order mainly because it ends with the track Zeros. Other than the three singles from the album, Day In Day Out, Time Will Crawl, and a personal favorite, Never Let Me Down, I think there are two other songs that are indispensable on this album. One is Glass Spider, an epic weird journey to rival anything that had come before from Bowie. And the other is the song Zeros. As I said, originally slated to be the final track on the album. There is no way Zeros is not related to Heroes. Heroes, especially after Live Aid, had become an anthem uh, for all time. But Zeros was Bowie's song for the 80s. 
Zeros is him commenting on what happens when you get what you ask for. Bowie asked for hits and he got them. He made albums with and for his friend Iggy Pop. He made movies with puppets. He passed the torch, then sort of asked for it back. Zeros was the anthem that came after the end of all of this. Let me read you some of these lyrics from the song Zeros. You've arrived in the land of a thousand different names, and the fabulous suns have crashed their planes in flames. Now tomorrow is back, claiming redemption is on your heels, and a toothless past is asking you how it feels. And me, my little red Corvette, has driven by. Fairweather heart has fallen in. My rainy day girl is feeling down, and she tells me that the world is spinning round. I say the dream was all for you. You're nobody else. Tonight the zeros were singing for you. And he ends the track with this. It doesn't matter what you try to do. Doesn't matter what you try to do. Doesn't matter where you try to go. Doesn't matter who we really are. It really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This is it. This was the anthem he gave us children of 80s Bowie. If that doesn't define Gen X, I don't know what does. He talks about his thousand different names, how even his followers were crashing their planes. Do you think it's a coincidence that he mentions a little red Corvette and that it has driven by? He talks about, don't you know we're back on trial again? He spent most of the 80s on critical trial. I say the dream was all for you. Tonight the zeros were singing for you. His original intent was to end this album, repeating, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. This is a man who has figured it out. He got what he wanted, and it led to, if not ruin, certainly a troubled artistry to frustration. Honestly, listen to the 2018 version of Zeros and tell me that it doesn't get to you a little bit. <laughs> he ended up re-recording and changing the track list and eventually ended the album with a different sentiment. Sort of equally 80s though. He ended it with the track Bang Bang. The lyric, chorus being bang bang i got mine indeed he did so when you think about bowie's legacy his legend how he released his final album on his 69th birthday then died two days later having hidden his illness from the world don't think of david bowie in the 80s as a failure as a creative low point look at it as an epic four album trek through learning to be careful what you wish for if you only seek success you might lose yourself in the process. Bowie's next musical output was not even Bowie. Bowie was now merely just a singer in Tin Machine, the band. Bowie started the 80s by walking into the sea in Ashes to Ashes. At the end of the 80s, Bowie didn't even exist anymore. He was just a guy in a band. Be careful what you wish for indeed. The next Bowie song was Real Cool World in 1992. Ironically, his next full album would reunite him with Nile Rodgers. Exactly 10 years to the month after Let's Dance, he's back with the guy that started this all. What a real cool world where you can learn a life lesson and go right back and try again. I call that doing it right. I'll be posting a Spotify playlist of Bowie's singles in the 80s so you can hear how pretty awesome they were and I'll post my preferred version of the album Never Let Me Down, uh, including some of the tracks from the original version and some from the 2018 version. If you listen to anything, please check out the 2018 version of the song Zeros and tell me what you think. 
As always, thank you for your listening. And really, I hope more than ever to continue this conversation on Twitter at Boys Make Noise. See you next time on The D-Side.